We always love to shine the spotlight on people that are inspiring in the lymphedema community. And I have been a fan of this woman ever since I began researching the lymphedema community. Veronica Sineras is our guest today, and she has an amazing resume and an even more amazing heart for people, and it shines through in everything that she does. She is a national advocate, speaker, founder, and owner of Lymphy Strong. You probably already are quite aware of that group, and she currently serves as the social media manager for one of my favorite organizations, the National Lymphedema Network. Veronica, it is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I am humbled and honored to, to be here speaking with you today. Uh, I know we've been working at Meeting Up for quite some time, and finally, um, everything has aligned, and I'm just so happy to be here with you today. I'm so happy, too, and I read your background story, and part of the reason we do these interviews is to help people see faces and hear stories that they can relate to so that they can find hope as they manage their own condition. You, in 1994, were developed developed third generation lymphedema. Now I'd never heard of this term before. And if I butcher it, you fix it for me. Lymphedema dystichiasis syndrome. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, what is that? Lymphedema dystichiasis syndrome is lymphedema with the genetic marker of a double row of eyelashes. So um, the irony behind all of that is that I didn't find out that my eyelashes were connected to the swelling in my legs until 2016. So it actually took 22 years. And in that time, every time I had always gone for a routine eye exam, the ophthalmologist would say, do you know, do you realize how incredibly rare it is to have a second set of eyelashes? And now it's, it's, not, um, it's not glamorous at all. Um, the second row actually curl in towards my cornea. And I actually had um, really good vision as a child. But as I grew older, um, when I went to university and uh, I had to start wearing glasses and slowly over time it's given me astigmatism uh, just because they rub up against uh, the eyeball. Um, there are a lot of complications that are associated with uh, the syndrome. I think it's one of 19 uh, identified in the hereditary or primary lymphedema spectrum. Um, it comes with varicose veins, um, chronic venous insufficiency, scoliosis. Uh, you can be born with cleft palate, um, uh, a syndrome that affects droopiness of the eyes. So, and uh, I think um, probably the most um, serious is congenital heart defects. Mm -hmm. So I actually have an uncle, uh, well, Seven members on the paternal side of my family um, have been affected by the syndrome in one form or fashion. And uh, I actually had an uncle who passed away this past August. He had to have a heart transplant about 12 years ago. Um, I think in my mind, even though I can't prove it, it may have been associated with the syndrome. My heart goes out to you and yet I'm thinking about the people watching right now who may have some of those markers and never connected the dots, who will have their aha moment. And then I'm also so inspired by the woman that you are. And even though facing this particular challenge, you, you give back. So how did that journey happen? How did you go from having the eye doctor notice this to connecting it with your swollen limbs? Well, my journey was a little bit backwards, um, but it also had a little bit of an advantage, if you will. Because I was third generation, my father, uh, well, first of all, my grandfather 
had lymphedema, bilateral lymphedema. He was never diagnosed in his entire lifetime. And then it took about 25 years for my father to get diagnosed. And the way we were diagnosed, Brenda, was on a billboard. So as you hear my story, it will sort of come full circle. When I, I, I presented in 1994, I graduated uh, with my degree in 1998. By that time, I was four years into my ankle swelling. Um, I was actually afraid to tell my father um, that I was beginning to swell. My father endured over 100 bouts of cellulitis in his lifetime. Three times he went septic. I remember as a child um, being scooped up in the middle of the night, my parents rushing to the ER, my father violently shaking from fever, from cellulitis, and uh, they didn't have a name for it. They just kept calling it cellulitis. But, you know, cellulitis is not lymphedema. Um, we lived in a very small town, which essentially had two, two hospitals. You know, it, we did the best we could and everyone did the best they could. I can't, you know, we can't look back and, and blame doctors or facilities or, I mean, you know what you know. There's so many people even today that have never heard of it. And um, it's a journey, you know. Um, I read a quote uh, during, um, I think it was Rare Disease Day. And it says, the journey with a rare disease is sometimes um, feels like a, a decades long investigation with a lot of blind alleys and a lot of twists and turns. And, and that's exactly what this is. So as a child, I witnessed all of that. And I, I had a very, very uh, deep realization that my father could die. You know, children normally don't think of those things, but I, I, what I witnessed um, all in, in all those times going to the hospital was, was fairly traumatic. So I was actually afraid. And uh, you were afraid to tell your dad. <laughs> I was afraid. And uh, my mother convinced me. She's like, you know, you got to tell him. And uh, I, she did it with me. She's like, let's sit down and let's talk to him. And, and he turned around and he punched a hole in the wall. He was so upset. And uh, he said, I don't know what we have. I don't. Um, I don't know what they call it. We don't have a name for it, but I'm so sorry I gave you this. And uh, so I want to just pause for a moment and I want to honor your dad. Because he was doing the best he could. And you know that and I know that. And as Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And so though his journey went to one certain point I don't know the rest of your story but I just know how proud he is that you have taken this and instead of having to apologize to anybody you are inspiring and lifting up hearts so I honor you for that and I honor your dad for that thank you thank you so much you know and it was in that moment when I saw his reaction that I uh, I I felt it I said it's okay Whatever, whatever it is, whatever it's called, we'll, we'll tackle it together. You know, we'll be a team. And uh, so. How did uh, you team up? What did you do then? That, well, talk about, talk about <laughs> the old battle cry, you know? That, that team, that team up took 20 years, Brenda. Oh. It did. It took 20 years because I was young. And he, the only thing he knew to tell me to do was to elevate, to wear my compression and to avoid um, hazardous situations, cuts, bites. Um, and he only knew that from, from personal, from all the times he got cellulitis, he personally observed. He, he had, he didn't have internet. 
He didn't have a textbook on lymphology. He didn't, all he had was his common sense and his wits about him. And he noticed and personally observed that every time he got cellulitis, it was because of some nick, cut, scratch. Uh, he was a welder. Um, so that, that in and of itself, you know, a machine shop is full of dirt flying and materials. Um, he told me, he said, you need to finish school. You cannot get a job and stand on your feet all day. Um, if, if you do, your leg will turn into mine. Uh, we don't have a name. Again, he kept stressing how we don't have a name for this. There's no doctor for this. Um, so he really pushed me. And when I graduated, I was driving down the freeway. I was all excited. It was my first job you know, in the real world. <laughs> so naive and green, you know. Um, and um, I was driving down the freeway my first day in, on, at work. And I saw this billboard that had two legs that looked like my father's one leg. And I'm amazed that I just didn't wreck. You know, this this is Houston, Texas. Imagine you're driving, you're like, what? <laughs> it's Houston, Texas. I'm it there's a million people on the road trying to get in, commuting, and I see this billboard and I literally my my head just literally my jaw dropped. I was like, and it said, if you have swelling, you may have lymphedema. And I had a number to call. And I drove in and all of my excitement about the job, I couldn't stop thinking about that billboard the whole first day. I couldn't stop thinking. So when I drove back, you know, back then it was 1998, I think I had an IKEA, but we didn't have smartphones or <laughs> anything like that. And I turned around and I literally wrote down the information. I pulled off from the side of the road. So I called my parents that day and, uh, they got on the phone and they were, had the phone in between them. And I said, I, I think dad and I have this thing called lymphedema. And my dad said, what? What the hell is that? And I said, I have no idea. But I saw this word and I saw these two legs and it was a billboard. And there's this 1-800 number that you can call and we can make an appointment. And the the office was was right nearby it's right next door to channel two houston you know it's like a big old thing there big old tower and um so that's what he did that's when my, my mother called she made an appointment we both went to the appointment together um they uh evaluated him and they looked at my leg um, and it was sort of bittersweet because my father was admitted for therapy but they denied me treatment. Uh, they said I was very, very mild. Essentially, I was stage zero. And uh, so they said, don't worry. You'll never be as bad as your dad. You just have to take care of your leg. And so he got the full. He got, he received eight weeks of CDT. And he stayed with me in my apartment that entire time. He was able to reduce by 40%. It's like he was able to sit in a shoe again. Up until that time, for the last few years, all he could fit into was a house slipper that was cut down the middle. So his quality of life had really deteriorated. And uh, when they did the CDT, he could fit into a shoe again. He could wear uh, jeans without... Um, them having to be bell bottoms or really, you know, baggy. Um, he got just, a new lease on life. He got a new lease of on that life. billboard, and he was so happy. I remember the therapist telling him, "We're so so sorry that we, you know, we can't reduce you all the way down to uh, a normal looking limb." He goes, "I don't care. This is great. I can wear a shoe again, and you know, the rest was fibrosis." He. That was a dramatic, dramatic improvement. And Brenda, the other part of that was once he got CDT, he stopped having the cellulitis bouts 
they really just slowed down because he was in the hospital like four or five times a year. Um, and, and that is that, agonizing for a family to continually have those is, trips to is. the emergency room. It's it's an emotional roller coaster as well as a physical one for everybody involved. I just think it's so amazing that he encouraged you to go to school and get your degree. And because you did that, you were going to your new job, seeing that billboard. And I want to say for all the people watching, there might be people with lymphedema who can't wear regular shoes. This is a lesson in you can improve. There are ways to address this condition and manage it. You know, of course, I work for LymphoPress. We're all about pneumatic compression. But whatever it takes, there are things you can do so that you don't have to feel hopeless and helpless. Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. so glad. How gratifying for you to see your dad enjoy that 40% reduction. Yeah. And I was part of it. I rolled the bandages. I washed them. I... We tracked his food. We tracked his exercise. He, you know, I was living in an apartment back then, of course, and he'd walk around the apartment and his bandages. And I mean, he did everything they said to do to be in compliance. And then um, after that, my journey started and I sort of kind of just went along Um and I knew that MLD existed. I just didn't know the full sequence. All he told me that was that the thoracic ducts was so important and to uh, clear up here in the axillary and up above the collarbone, but he didn't go into the rest <laughs> of, the, of the series. So I, I went along and being the typical child, parent, my dad telling me you need to wear your compression need. I only wore it when it was convenient. I only wore it when um, it was, you know, I was wearing jeans or pants where, where when it could be hidden. Um, I thought that compression was masculine for some reason, because I guess I, I in my mind had associated his compression with being very manly. I know I meet a lot of people who, men who think that it's pantyhose, but for me, I thought the opposite. And, you know, I think that just goes to your environment and what you're exposed to. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and our cultural expectations at certain times. Now, compression is commonplace for even moderate athlete. athletes or whatever. Yeah. But but there was a time when it's, it marked you as being different. And for women particularly who care about aesthetics and vanity, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I talked to so many women, primary lymphedema, who at a young age were like, you know what? I'm not wearing that compression because I don't want to look different. I want to wear my pretty outfits and my spike heels. Yeah. And so that you was probably me. paid that the price for that that was me in my 20s, and I was very stubborn about it. And it, unfortunately, it all came to head for me because I got on a plane in October of 2007 on what should have been a dream vacation. And I flew from Houston to Honolulu without compression on either leg. I didn't know that I was supposed to wear compression. I didn't know what I didn't know. And within a few hours of stepping off that plane, I went bilateral. My left leg started to, to swell up and uh, it was shocking. I was devastated. There I was in this glorious paradise, <laughs> of, you know, Waikiki Beach and the Big Island, Oahu. And, um, my legs you, were you said something really important, which I really like, which is you can't get angry about what you didn't know, or right. even at the medical professionals. But I am a little bit annoyed that they dismissed your stage zero and did not give you tools so that you could have foreseen this. Now, I know everything works together for good, and mm -hmm. what you have learned has helped so many other people, but 
it may be stage zero, but it still needs attention. Right. And that's part of what is uh, part of my mission with Live Be Strong is that I, I, we, within my group or within my community, I make a concerted effort, a very concerted effort to treat everyone the same, whether you're stage zero or a, a more advanced age, we share the same information. Um, when I first went online with my advocacy, and I'm digressing on a tangent here, but when I first went online, um, there were many people who said that I didn't have lymphedema and that I was a fraud um, because I had reduced my legs. And uh, I faced a lot of uh, online bashing for that, that I couldn't possibly know what it is to have lymphedema because my legs were anatomically uh, very close to normal or they looked normal. And uh, I hadn't been online when my legs were bigger. So uh, I am very, very sensitive to that fact. Um, I know in other, you know, in other interviews, I've called it a chip on my shoulder, you know, <laughs> and I've kind of let that go too. I'm not the same person that I was, you know, a year ago, two years ago. And the, even the journey in advocacy evolves. The more, the more people that you meet, the more stories that you hear. Um, when I first started my advocacy journey, it was about multi-generational primary lymphedia. I wanted to, to highlight that. And then the more stories that I read, the more um, just people that I met from across the country, from, from all of the events. I mean, you have my about, all of the events across the country. You know, I've, I've met people who have had lymphedema from car accidents, from getting hit by a drunk, drunk driver, from uh, surgeries, from medical error, from, I mean, just, I mean, there's no story that really surprises me anymore. And what I found that is it's really about patient education and self-advocacy. Because if you have those two tools, then I think that you're able to navigate this path a lot better so i always like the car analogy no like when i'm shopping I, I think that shopping for compression should be like shopping for a car you know you know your what your budget is going to be you have an idea of the make and the model you're going to go around and scout maybe for a few months <laughs> to get the best deal i think that Getting compression and the tools that you need for um, lymphedema, self-treatment, and management should be the same thing. You should be educated on it. So, so you're in Hawaii. You present yeah. as bilateral. This was supposed to be a dream vacation. It ended up to be a little bit of a nightmare. It did. And of course, what I called my father. Next? I called my father. There was, a, a, I think, an eight-hour time zone difference. And I was crying on the phone. And he said, oh, that's okay. That's fine. I'm like, what do you mean it's fine? <laughs> I'm not fine. Do you hear me? I'm not fine. And he said, oh, well, uh, my dad was, he didn't say bilateral. He said, my dad had it in both legs. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, your grandfather had lymphedema in both legs. And it was, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know that that was a potential. I didn't know that when you are primary lymphedema, it's really a systemic issue and it can really pop up anywhere. Doesn't have to stay in one area. Um, so, I think what happened that day is my left leg became overwhelmed and then, you know, it carried over. I mean, all of the clinicians and, and the doctors and the scientists in our community know the, the technical details. But, uh, so I didn't know, but my dad knew. My dad knew from common sense and from personal observation. And he said, it's no big deal. You're, you're going to manage it just the way you would your, your, your one foot. And uh, 
So that, that gave me a sense of calm, you know, in that, okay, this is something that happened. I'm not the only person in the world that's probably enjoyed this. Um, and I went about my vacation, you know. Once he told me that you know, it was fine, essentially, I kind of just blocked it out and, and um, you know, went on about my vacation and, and my life. And when I came back home, I really noticed the difference. I mean, my life started to, and I had just lost my mother the year before. So, um, yeah, things really went downhill. <laughs> and I, I gained, I, I went to a doctor in 2010. Um, and I, I asked what I could do. You know, I we did some wrapping and stuff, and I found out later that it wasn't necessarily the gold standard for complete decongestive therapy. And I, I don't want to dwell on that. Um, again, falls back to patient education. Had I known what complete de decongestive therapy was all about, what it should be, and the sequence and the wrapping and all of that, then I would have been able to say, "Hey, this this." is not correct. You know, we need to remedy the, remedy this or I need to move to another facility. Um, but he told me, you know, I, up until then I had been managing with exercise, um, with my legs exercise. I, I noticed that every time I did step aerobics, my legs would go down. My legs would go down, you know, every time. So I would go like five times a week, every day after work. And strength training, the, the whole nine yards. Um, the gym was my life because that's what kept my legs down. Uh, I would wear, a, I don't know if you remember, Brenda, the those old Reeboks that had the, <laughs> the high top. Yes. Uh, and, and then I started wearing the, the Rikas. Those were the perfect shoe for me because I put my feet in those, in those high tops, do my step aerobics, and by the time I went home and was going to bed the next morning, my legs were normal. Wow. They were perfect. Yeah. So I asked the doctor, can I continue? Is it okay for me to exercise? Am I doing any damage? And he started laughing at me. He said, you have lymphedema on both legs. Are you crazy? you want to exercise like two-step stuff, you need to just stick to brisk walking. Forget the gym. Forget all that. Just walk, elevate, and do what you can to stay off your feet. And I started crying. I bawled and, and all of that. Fast forward four years. <laughs> so this is a, 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 a really long journey, and I'm sorry that it's taking so long. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Let me tell you. Every step of this journey, there's someone out there watching right now and saying, oh my goodness, I was told the same thing. Oh no, I needed to learn this. This is so valuable. I do a lot of interviews with the lipedema population as well. And for many years, those women, and they are pri primarily women, mm -hmm. were told, don't exercise. You can make the condition worse. And yes. we now know that movement is so important. So your body was telling you movement is good, but yes. your doctor was telling you movement was bad. Yes. How do you reconcile that, Veronica? I was in tears. I went into, I spiraled into a really deep depression. I gained like 70 pounds. Um, and then in 2014, um, I went to my doctor, I went for a wellness exam. And my gynecologist had known me since 1998 when I moved to Houston. So he had been my doctor for those 20 years, almost 20 years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was there on the table and he saw my legs and he said, Veronica, what the H? And I had known him all those years, never heard him be unprofessional. He said, what is wrong with your legs? I am deeply concerned here. And I said, 
my lymphedema is out of control and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back to the doctor that I went to in 2010. And I started crying. I mean, I just, I mean, ugly crying. Um, and he said, okay, okay, let's finish the exam. After that, we'll go into my office and I'm going to make some calls. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and at that point, I only had one pair of shoes that would fit me. And they were basically these expandable ballet type flats, you know, they're really stretchy, but they were like stretched all the way to the, I mean, I, I'm surprised I could even put them on still. And uh, so we went to his office and this is a teachable moment. Okay, this, this is a teachable moment that I always share. He got on the phone with um, one of his, um, he graduated from Harvard, he was in this frat, so he called one of his, his Harvard buddies. And uh, I didn't know that at the time, I just saw him making the call, but he told me after the fact, and he got on the phone and he said, I have a patient that I've had for many, many years. She has hereditary lymphedema. And he's, this is what he did. He goes, wait, wait, do not hang up. Listen to my question. If she had BCRL, where would you send her? Don't tell me that you don't treat hereditary patients. Don't tell me you don't know about primary lymphedema. I want to know. Where would you send her if she had BCRL? In now, for those who don't know what BCRL is. It's breast cancer related lymphedema. Got it. So in that moment, two worlds came together for me because had there not been so much research, um, and this is why I think, you know, a lot of the division needs to go away between secondary and primary, because had that research not done, on the BCRL front, that abbreviation would not be recognized in the medical community and would not be a gateway for people like me who have hereditary. Wow. That's a significant moment. And it so was. It was. did that doctor get an answer? He did. Um, I got sent to a, a very good place from Houston, um, Memorial Hermann. Um, the other amazing fact after that is the outpatient facility that I go to is a mere 2.5 miles from my home. I have no idea how many times I passed it, going to get groceries, going about my normal life. Um, it's literally around the corner. I'm not joking. It probably takes less than 10 minutes to drive there. And, uh, I think it probably takes longer to park <laughs> than it does to drive. And uh, that whole time it was there and we did CDT and we went to a certain point and I had the most amazing certified lymphedema therapist ever in the world. I think she hangs the moon. I really do. She's my confidant. She's my friend. She's, oh. she's everything. I'm not allowed to release her name because she's very private, but I, you know, I really think she hangs the moon. And this is what she told me. She said, I, she said, we've been working on swelling that has accumulated over 20 years. So I can only get you so far. The rest of the work is going to be, is up to you. You are going to have to work on getting into those shoes. And that was part of what, uh, she did as, as the first exercise, like the second or third appointment, she said, I want you to bring me a pair of shoes that you want to fit into. I want to see it. I want to see your style. I want, and I did that. And she says, okay, we're going to make this, we're going to try and make this happen. Okay. We're going to try. So I kept wrapping. I kept, um, I put on nighttime. I didn't know about nighttime compression at the time. And uh, um, I was able, it took almost an entire year, but it happened gradually. Like first, you know, the top of my, my feet went down, then my ankles, then my calves, then my knees. And 
And then by uh, October of 2015 is when the reduction was completed. I am so. sure with every bit of progress, your heart just was swelling with hope again. And yeah, and it was my dad. Back. My dad really pushed. I mean, you know, I would call him and, and he would know. Sometimes I would get frustrated because the, the force of the wrapping and the rolling and and we would talk, my dad liked to talk smack. He really did. He was funny, you know, he, he liked to watch football and just that kind of character that was always making jokes and stuff. And he'd say, oh, come on, I'm an old man. And, and uh, you're having trouble donning, you know, I, I bet I could beat you. I, I, you know, you want to race? But he held that side on. I, I love and that. It's taken me like almost 30 minutes to put on my stocking. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you put it on so fast? It's, oh, it's nothing. I just, I just do it in a snap. And uh, here I am sweating and my makeup, you know, I'm just <laughs> like, my hair's all kinds of ways trying to put it on. And then when I finally mastered that, I said, okay, I'm ready to race <laughs> And he said, oh, now you're picking on an old person. <laughs> um, it was fun. We had a lot of laughs. We, we had a lot of laughs. Your he dad turned... is really an underlying <laughs> star of your story. He really yeah. is. He turned difficult situations into laughable moments. And... Oh, how wonderful. What a gift he gave you. Yeah. So I, re I, I reduced. And then, you know, I went online. And uh, I saw all of this doom and gloom. I don't know why I never Googled lymphedema before in terms of social media, um, but I did. And then I joined a lot of groups and I saw so much, a lot of negativity, a lot of venting, a lot of anger. And I looked at my dad and I said, you're not like this. So what is it about you that's mm. different from these people? And what can we do to share that with the world? And I talked to him and I said, um, I think it was like a Sunday dinner or something. And I said, I have this idea. There's this thing called a blog. And I think that if we share your story, um, it'll help people not only find treatment or know what treatment is as far as the CDT and the reduction, but how you maintain your positivity, how you maintain your sense of humor, how you just always find a way, and how you survived all of those bouts of cellulitis. And um, so I said, you know, we have, the, uh, there's a thing called a blog and it's, it's a blog. He, he, didn't, he didn't like the internet, thought it was, uh, um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, he just didn't really think, you know, he was always like, things are better in person. I'd rather read a physical newspaper, <laughs> you know, that kind of attitude. And, and I, he's like, what's a blog? And I said, well, a blog is sort of like a newspaper that you write yourself and other people read it. You write whatever you want. And he's like, why would people read about lymphedema? It's depressing. And I said, well, no, not not to depress people, but to educate them and share, you know, what you've learned, everything that you've t told me over the phone, we can share. And he's like, you think anybody will read it? And I said, I don't know, but if they don't, I can always delete it and we can pretend like it never happened. <laughs> and uh, he said, okay. If it helps just one person, I love him. Have my blessing to create this blog. Oh, and so that was the beginning of your advocacy. Yes. Was it called Limpy Strong then? Yes. 
I liked, uh, no, it was called Stay Limping Strong. So I kind of tried to, to put, you know, like stay strong, but mm -hmm. stay. And I tried, you know, stay limp strong and I tried limp strong and um, I, I, I played with it a little bit and I, I started with stay limp strong. And then um, after a while, I, I changed it because it was like, no, you don't want to stay. You want to be cured. <laughs> you know? you want to move on. So I dropped the stay and now it's just limp strong. I love it. So you had no idea how it would grow. When did you start to realize, oh, I'm on to something here? Uh, the first time was when um, I was asked to speak at the Plano Walk in Texas for Learn. Um, I was a, a patient story speaker. And that's when I saw a whole, essentially one stadium full of people with lymphedema. I hadn't met anybody other than my dad and my family members. And so seeing all of them in person was just life altering. I mean, I had people who walked up to me and just started crying. They would hug me and they started crying and they said, we love your group. We love your blog. Thank you so much for your advocacy. And that was the first time. And then the second time, was in 2017 when I went to the first National Lymphedema Network Conference. That was when I really saw from a medical standpoint, as you know, as being part of the Lymphopress organization, how much medical research, how much effort, how many people have dedicated their entire careers to lymphology and here I was as a patient thinking nobody was doing anything and nobody cared. And it now because of such, it gave me such profound hope. And in that moment when I returned from that trip, I said, all of my group needs to know this information. Not just the ones that can travel, not just the ones that can walk, not just the ones that can fly or live close to the conference area. Everybody needs to know this information. Every single patient or every single caregiver, friend, everybody needs to know this is going on. And I, I went from just the blog and the little Facebook group to creating a platform. I, this is where I used my IT background. Yeah, uh, I wanted to say, yeah. so here you are, you've, you're a very accomplished IT professional for many years. So you were doing a full-time job and building this advocacy platform. Yes. Yeah. And all those skill sets merged. So you have your profession and your passion now combined, which I'm excited yes. about talking about this new chapter. In yes. your life. My, my profession, my passion became my purpose. That's what happened. And it's taken me a couple of years to realize that and look back. Because you know, when you're in the process of evolving, you don't really know. You know, when, when you're in a journey of transition uh, and you feel a calling um, that is outside the norm, you know, because what I, people ask me what I do today, their, their eyes kind of <laughs> glass over. And uh, especially if they're former coworkers, you know, they, they don't really understand it. But uh, yeah, I, I started leveraging my IT experience and I said, okay, I'm going to build this. And so Lippy Strong became three groups. And then I went to Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, some, and I'm even on Pinterest. Um, it's just wherever I can be that billboard that, that changed my life driving down the freeway in 1998, I am that billboard now. Yes, you are. Or, and not just me, the community of Living Strong, because it's not just me anymore. It's it's the, the entire community that supports that vision. And now, full circle, you are affiliated with the NLN and help run their social platforms, right? That was so, it, it was, you know, for... I know you and I, well, I'm a believer 
And it was just so divinely inspired. Divinely, divine intervention because it happened by pure happenstance. I think it's such an amazing, amazing organization. It changed my life in 2017. Uh, I had met Jeanette Zucker uh, when I'm, she invited me to be a fashion model um, for that particular conference. Uh, so I got to go down the runway with, I don't know if you were at that event, but it was a really fun and cool thing. There was so much work that went on behind the scenes because it was quite a production. I think there was maybe 20 of us, 25 of us that went down the, the runway and we were modeling garments and and uh, it, was, it, was, it was literally a catwalk. And I met Jeanette and she said, Vern, I'm so happy you're here. Um, you know, thank you for coming. And I mean, it was great. Aside from the, all of the information that was coming from the technical part, this was more of a social, like the social end of it. And uh, so Jeanette has always been, you know, sort of like a, a, a mentor, you know, uh, someone in the community that, that I've always uh, kept in touch with since then, since 2017. And when I reached out to her about the webinar series that we were doing, we got to talking and uh, it just happened. It was just a conversation that organ or organically transpired. And it's so wonderful. I, like, I would be humbled and honored to help you know, NLN in any way possible. Um, I, I think it's, and, and the beauty of that is, on the team, I'm I'm the only patient, to my knowledge. Um, you know, it's clinicians, and so um, in the beginning, I was very intimidated, of course, because you know I don't have a formal clinical background, nor do I present myself as such. You know, I never say that I'm a clinician. I always have the disclaimer that I'm I'm only a patient, but the team is so phenomenal that I don't feel like there's that division at all. And working behind the scenes and uh, being able to provide feedback from a patient perspective on some of the, some of the topics that we covered. Oh, I it's just, so invaluable. Invaluable. Like we, we, I don't mean to cut you off, but like we have two of our compression therapy consultants, Cam Ayala and Mary uh -huh. Castleberg, and they have lymphedema and they are some of the best people to represent our product because they walk the walk, they use the product. They understand the challenges of our patient population. So I think better than any PhD, what you bring to the table is so valuable, Veronica. That's it wonderful. Is, it, it's wonderful. I love the NLM. I love uh, the team that I work with. Um, I love Jeanette. She's amazing. Uh, it's just, it has been a phenomenal opportunity. I, I think he even shared it even three weeks in that as much as I've done in the last six years in being a patient advocate, every day this past month uh, during this, I learned something new. I promise you, I learned something new that blew my mind and I was like, Wow, that makes total sense. Why did I never think of that before? Or how how did you know how did that not cross my path? Um, and all the people that I've come across and all the stories, um, there was something every single day that just really hit me, and I learned. There's mm -hmm. so much to learn about lymphology. It it's I think it's an incredible field. I think it's an underrepresented uh field of medicine but i think we're at the tip of the iceberg in terms of it exploding in the medical community at some point some agreed. point in the near future agreed and how thrilling to be part of it how thrilling I, to be a part of it and now in some small I, way i mean i know i'm just one person and you and i are two people but you know collectively if we all watch out world and and we put all of our talents you know whatever they may be towards uh 
getting the message out about awareness and the importance of lymphatic health. Lymphatic health is so important. It's so critically important to so many major mechanisms of the body as, yeah. as we're learning every day. So I want to keep this interview from taking your entire day, although I could spend hours and I look forward to the day when I can see you in person and even <laughs> give you a real hug instead of a virtual one. Yes, so for let's take this last minute and talk to the people watching, the ones that are looking for hope and help. What would you take this last moment and say to them? I would say that you are braver and stronger than you ever thought possible. And never stop believing in yourself. Never stop self-advocating, no matter the situation. You have lymphedema, lymphedema doesn't have you. Well said, drop the microphone. That was perfect. <laughs> and what one of the best hours I've ever spent with anyone and I've done close to a hundred interviews over the last year. Thank you, Veronica. I look forward to getting to know you even better and working with you more closely in the future. And thank you everyone for tuning into this edition of the Lymphedema Channel. It's our honor to share stories like Veronica's. If you know somebody that would make a wonderful interview, send them my way, bviola at medsoulsupplier.com. Until then, have a wonderful day. And until then, blessings, Veronica. God bless you, Brenda. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this edition of our Lymphedema one-on-one -on -one interview series. You can watch the video on TLC, the Lymphedema channel on YouTube, or on Instagram, IGTV, at lympha underscore press. For information on the most advanced pneumatic compression therapy in the world, visit lymphapress.com.